This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Dr. Abe Fisher talks about mercy. What is our obligation to show mercy versus opportunities to show mercy? What are some of the ways we can practice the spiritual works of mercy? We'll answer this and much more. One body, stewarding God's creation. Dr. Abe Fisher is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. We are now getting ready to be joined by Dr. Abe Fisher. And Abe... It's been a while since I've seen you. It has. Um, do you want me to read your actual bio here? And let's do that. <laughs> He's shaking his head no, but I, I want you guys to know who he is. So um, for an introduction really quick, um, Abe, along with his wife, Jan, moved back to Kansas from Wisconsin, um, where Abe taught theology at Marquette University, as well as Sacred Heart Seminary, and taught in the permanent diaconate program for the archdiocese. He's a father of three adult sons. And Abe and his wife coordinate the OCIA program at Immaculate Heart of Mary in Hayes. All right. So it is a blessing to have you in here. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. It's good to be back. Absolutely. It's kind of nice that you're in here talking with us because, you know, um, our our theme is on mercy, (laughs) you know. Um, And so you get to come in and talk uh, uh, to us about Mercy. Mercy. So yeah, where do you I want to start? That, I saw that theme, and, you know, I always try to do something in, in coordination with the theme, but it's, it's super broad, mercy. I mean, that, can be, that <laughs> yeah. can be just all kinds of things, you know, and um, maybe just set a little context as, as we go forward. Um, there's a couple of ways you can maybe categorize or <clears throat> break down the theme of mercy a little bit. The first one is, you know, Divine Mercy, which our radio station is the Divine Mercy radio station, the mercy that God extends to all of us, which is so so critical for our spiritual life, as opposed to human mercy, the mercy that we are called to extend to other other human beings as we as we go through life. There's plenty to talk about concerning God's mercy, but I'm going to try to focus our discussion here this morning on human mercy that okay. we are giving to other people. Another way of, of breaking this down is thinking of mercy, which maybe maybe a lot of times our mind goes to this direction, um, mercy as the opposite of justice. Justice is giving someone what they deserve. Mercy is, is holding back from that. If what they deserve is some kind of retribution or vengeance or punishment or whatever it is, mercy is not giving them what they deserve. When, when they should have something bad. Okay. So that's one way of looking at mercy. The other way is mercy more as a synonym of love. So when we give mercy, when we show mercy to someone, um, it's really another way of loving that person. And so that's what I'm going to be kind of focusing on today um, as we talk about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, works that we do uh, for other people is really, really a way of extending love to them. Okay. So maybe that just kind of, kind of frames it a little bit. Back to Dr. Abe Fisher talking about um, mercy and how we show it to one another. Okay, back to divine or back to mercy here. Um, I had I had told Jack or told uh, Donetta to put on the on the website that I was going to frame mercy in terms of obligation and opportunity. Okay, and that's that's maybe kind of <coughs> vague there. 
Well, I want to start with with just doing that as a as a context that God God gives us both the obligation to be merciful to others and and the opportunity to fulfill that obligation. So let's, let's maybe begin with just the obligation. Um, you know, if we <clears throat> look at the Beatitudes in Matthew in Matthew five, Matthew five seven says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy." And that one is maybe a little different than some of the Beatitudes. And we we look at um, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those don't seem maybe quite as much um, as as critical obligations. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But it, we don't maybe have to be meek. We're blessed if we are meek. We have we have this gift. But we had better do what we need to do to be shown mercy. Because at the end of our life, if we're not shown mercy, we're we're in deep trouble, right? I mean, yeah. what we <clears throat> what we have earned is is damnation, not salvation. And it's the mercy of God that that provides us that salvation. Yeah. So, <clears throat> blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Um, it kind of um, has has uh, echoes in out of the Lord's prayer when we say, "Forgive us our sins." forgive us as we forgive others. So it seems this this golden rule, do unto others as you want God to do unto you, is, is a pretty pretty bedrock, pretty deep concept within the kingdom of God. Um, so we, we uh, if we want to be shown mercy, we need to show mercy. Uh, Matthew 25 makes this maybe even more stark, more clear. This is this is the uh, the passage where he says, Whenever, whatever you have done to the least of my children, the least of others that you do unto me. So, yeah. Lord, when have we seen you hungry or thirsty or naked or in prison yeah. and not ministered to you? And, and, you know, those who have not done that to the least of others have not done it to Jesus. And he says, <laughs> those who show mercy to others also show it to Jesus and will go off to eternal life. Those who neglect to show mercy also neglect Jesus and will go off to eternal punishment. So it makes yeah. it a little bit more stark there, oh, a little bit more, you know. Uh, I read that and I and I think yikes. You know, the stakes are yeah. the stakes are high here. We better we better do this. Showing mercy is certainly not optional. Yeah. So that's the obligation that God gives us. But of course the good news is, you know, God God tells us to do or, or expects us to do plenty of things that are hard. But he never expects us to do things that are impossible. Correct. And he gives us plenty of opportunities to show mercy. Yeah. Um, are you going to go into, before I take anything that you might say, are you going to go into the parable of the talents or anything? Nope. Okay. So wasn't just question. It. I mean, because you, you brought up something that um, I, I once heard a very good um, – insight into that parable of the talents, you know, so many people, um, you know, and, and well and good that, you know, like God gives us talents, what are we doing with them, you know, but, but from my understanding, that's not how it would have originally been taken. You know, talents are something that is very weighty, mm. something that is, is very heavy. So it's not just like, here, I gave this dude a bunch of money and he squandered it, you know, or he just didn't do anything with it, you know, which is kind of, you know, you read it literally, you're like, well, I don't get this, you know, and, and why is he angry that um, the one, he didn't do anything bad with the money, he just gave it back what you know mm-hmm. but i i once heard an interpretation of that that it was talking about god's mercy so the weightiness of god's mercy because a talent 
is a ton of money back then. Mm -hmm. You know, so the guy who gets three is getting a ton, but even the guy who gets one is getting more money than most people would make in their lifetime. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, they were saying that actually it's talking about God. That's how much mercy God is showing each of these people. And so when that last one does nothing with it, he does not share the mercy. Right. Like when it says, why did you not at least put it in the bank and get interest? You know, like, why didn't you at least do something with it that would have brought some mercy, some um, love to others? Yeah. When you stop showing mercy or love, it stops being mercy and love. Sure. Because mercy and love have to flow through. <laughs> they given. cannot stop. Right. And soon it's and so that's what it is. As soon as you try to bottle it up for yourself, it stops being itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. And every gift that God gives us um, is not given. I mean, it's given to us, but it's not given necessarily for us. It's given yeah. for the world. It's given for the community, for us to, to share and go do, do good with it and to bear fruit. There's, there's lots yeah. of places in the Gospels where bearing fruit is, is very important. And what doesn't bear fruit gets cut off and yeah. thrown into the fire, right? And what, what does bear fruit is, is tended and pruned and there's more fruit. Yeah. And yeah, very important. Wow. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you okay. continue on, yeah. sir. No, that's great. <clears throat> um, so anyway, the, the opportunities to show mercy, this is kind of where these works of mercy come in. When we are when we're showing mercy to the other people that we encounter in our life, the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy, this is, this is our opportunity to be merciful so that God will be merciful to us. And I keep using that word opportunity because I, I kind of want to I kind of want to emphasize that this that this is something to be seized and something to be taken advantage of. Opportunities come and they go and they don't come back again. And if we don't take advantage of them and don't seize upon them, sometimes we we just have lost that opportunity to be to be merciful. And they abound. There's, there's plenty of need in our world, plenty of need for mercy, so we're not going to run out of those, but we still want to take advantage of them at yeah. every opportunity. So <clears throat> the church, in its wisdom, has, has given us these specific works of mercy that we, that we can do, that we're called to do. The corporal works of mercy, based primarily on Matthew 25, that passage I was just talking about, um, they, they can be found in, in several other New Testament and Old Testament passages, but primarily there in Matthew 25. Corporal works of mercy are pretty familiar to most people or to a lot of people. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick and imprisoned, bury the dead, give alms to the poor. I don't know, is Divine Mercy Radio part of the poor? That we should give alms to this week. I think maybe it is. <laughs> well, we are a nonprofit. So. <laughs> there you go. So the corporal works of mercy are, you know, they're corporal because they have to do with the body, mm -hmm. the corpus, Latin corpus. We perform these corporal works of mercy to, to help ease or maybe even eliminate suffering, physical suffering in those that we encounter. The spiritual works of mercy are, are similar only they're focused on the spirit or the soul, and we're trying to alleviate spiritual suffering, eternal suffering, to, to ease that or eliminate it. Spiritual works of mercy aren't, aren't found quite as neatly in one passage, like Matthew 25, but they're kind of scattered throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The church lists them as counsel the doubtful, 
Instruct the ignorant, admonish the sinner, comfort the sorrowful, forgive injuries, bear wrongs patiently. That's a toughie. Pray for the living and the dead. <clears throat> so when we perform these spiritual works of mercy, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to help others progress in the spiritual life, progress in their relationship with God, move them closer to salvation. We're trying to, to um, help them perfect their relationship and perfect their soul. Um, so the corporal works of mercy maybe are, are more familiar. So I thought I would start with the spiritual works of mercy because usually sure. I run out of time when I, when I come here to, to <laughs> talk. And uh, okay. if, we run a, if we have time, we'll go back into the corporal works of mercy. There, there is plenty of food for meditation there, but uh, I think maybe the spiritual works of mercy would be would be more fun to start with. All right. Dr. Fisher, back to you and the uh, spiritual works of mercy. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> As I read this list, are there, are there any in particular that, that jump out to you that are, that are favorites or confusing? or <laughs> Is this something that you ever think about? Well, yeah, I mean, um, definitely there are some that you do without even um, – necessarily thinking about it you mm -hmm. know like um, uh, earlier um, we were talking um, with Father Fred um, about um, funerals and the difference between a celebration of life and a funeral um, and that's one that comes up mm -hmm. is you know um, it's on the uh, spiritual and corporal yeah. side um, so pray for the living and the dead you know but it says pray for the living and the dead you know and yeah. so like yeah um, if you if you don't think about you know you're not like oh wait a minute Actually, if I'm praying at all for somebody else, I'm actually fulfilling a spiritual work of mercy. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and so that yeah, that's one that's just like, oh, because you know it comes um, the spiritual ones, which you wanted to go over more. One thing that somebody shared with me a while ago, and, and as a father of seven children, I, I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, as parents, we do a lot of the corporal works of mercy. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, you know, um, but it's just one of those things that you don't realize that your holiness can be being shown forth in the things you're already doing. It's just what's your disposition toward it? Mm -hmm. You know, like who I don't know if, if you like changing diapers, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Nobody likes changing a poopy diaper, you know, but to sit there and be like, oh, I hate this. Well, yeah, everybody hates it. Yeah. It's a poopy diaper. But, you know, depending on your disposition, like, okay, my child has dirty pants and um, they cannot do this on their own. Um, I am blessed to be able to minister to my child. Yeah. Like, it's not like you have to go through that whole saying in your head, but it's what's your disposition. And so I think when you ask me that question, that's what I would start with is I, I think we do some of these things and just don't realize that we're doing them. We do. I think that's, that's great. And that's right. And sometimes I think, so maybe it's it's helpful just to just to review this list once in a while, to be intentional about it, to understand that that's what we're doing. Or maybe we're doing some things that are a little distasteful or, or a lot distasteful. Yeah. <laughs> it's the case maybe, you know, we're doing these in love. We're doing these for, for the benefit of another person mm -hmm. and, and loving them in that regard. Okay, well, I just was, I just was oh, curious absolutely. about that. Um, so if we just kind of start on the, on the list a little bit, the first two I feel like kind of need to be talked, talked about together a little bit. Counsel the doubtful and instruct the ignorant can seem a little redundant, maybe. You know, counseling someone who's doubtful about a, about a teaching of the church, about a doctrine or something like that, instruct the ignorant, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? Um, I, would, I would emphasize that 
Well, I guess this maybe comes from my work with the OCIA program, bringing people into the into the church that maybe are close to a close to a blank slate, don't know a whole lot uh -huh. about it. And as we're going through and we're presenting doctrines that are very unfamiliar and sometimes very mysterious, uh, very you know difficult to understand. There's, there's a very healthy response of questioning. I don't understand this. How can this be true? Yeah. And then there's an unhealthy response of doubting, saying, I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that, you know, that, that can yeah. be true. And so those are really two different categories. Um, counseling the doubtful is the first one. Um, so you know we have to be have to be secure in our own knowledge of the faith and mm -hmm. to begin with, and and you have to kind of you know proceed <clears throat> proceed gently, um, and not arrogantly, not you know in some way you know push them off, tell them that they're that they're way off base or they're no good or whatever. Meet them where they're at and try to try to move them forward um, with with books or resources, maybe putting them in touch with a, with a priest that, that can talk with them about this. Um, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about a little bit before. The witness of our lives sometimes can be a very powerful way of counseling the doubtful. If yeah. they're seeing someone who, who believes this doctrine wholeheartedly and, wow, look at, look at what that's doing in his life, you know, um, shining forth in his life can be, can be a powerful way of counseling the doubtful, um, moving them past that, where at least maybe they're in this realm of questioning. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a video the other day. I, I heard a little bit of your talk uh, last hour on the Eucharist, uh, which reminded me, I was listening to this video of a bishop, an auxiliary bishop from Wisconsin where we used to live, was out interviewing people about the real presence of Christ and what they believed about the real presence of Christ. And a lot of young people, not all of them, but um, a lot of them were, were very, very questioning, mostly doubtful about this, you know, just didn't really think that this could be possible, this could be, you know, the way it is. And then I thought it was very interesting, the tactic that he took. He asked them, so if this were true, how would that impact your life? How would that change your life? Or, or what yeah. would you think or what would you do if that were true? And, and it just totally opened their mind. They were just thinking about that. It's like, wow, well, if this were true, I would do this, this, and this. If this were true, <laughs> I would, you know, look at this differently. And you could just see kind of the wheels turning, you know. It's like make them think. Maybe it is true. And just that, just that, little, that little question kind of changed the uh -huh. whole approach, the whole attitude. I thought that was really powerful, really interesting. Yeah. So counseling the doubtful um, is, is, you know, trying to move us, move us beyond that hardline stance that, no, I just don't think this is true. Teaching, instructing the ignorant is, a, is a, an easier task. It's just people don't know, children, yeah. people that, you know, um, that are maybe interested in, in the Catholic faith, maybe people that um, have been misinformed. There's a lot of misinformation about the Catholic Church out there. A lot, yeah. of, some of it accidental, some of it purposeful. Uh, misinformation about the Catholic Church, and we just need to clarify that. We just need to straighten yeah. straighten that out. But of course, to do that, we have to be educated ourselves. We have to have to study and and know the faith well to either know the faith well or at least know where we can find someone who does or find the resources yeah. that we need to point them to. You know, to, to look it up. Absolutely. You know, when you asked me that earlier, you know, I, I do have to say that this 
is kind of one of my favorites, um, being a convert, because um, instruct the ignorant. Ignorant in, in this sense means unlearned, right. like you've been saying. We know ignorant to basically be like, you idiot, <laughs> you know, like an ignoramus, yeah. Yeah. such an ignoramus, you know, um, and, and there's a big difference there between somebody that's just unlearned and somebody that um, is vehemently opposed, maybe, right. you know, or like you were saying more towards the other of doubtful of like, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, um, but but then you're right, you know, like I love apologetics work. I listen to a lot of Catholic answers and stuff like that. Um, but even myself, I still I get nervous, um, you know, talking to other people about the faith. And so, yeah, I'm not. I I I have to say that it's not always easy. Um, but I think you've taken the right approaches. Um, one, know your limits and be humble enough to go. Okay, God wants me to instruct them in this manner by giving them this book, mm-hmm. um, or by um, giving them this resource. Um, know what God's asking you to do with the instruction. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Ig- ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean incapable of knowing. It just means they don't know yet. Yeah. They, and they need that. And I do, I do that all the time. I mean, I've, I've been studying theology for many years, but there's still a lot I don't know. And, and I find myself all the time saying, well, I don't know, but I'm going to go find out. Yeah. You know, and whether that's talking to a person or reading a book or, or you know, researching online or whatever, somebody out there knows. You can find out and, yep. and get back to them. You just yeah. reminded me of a funny story. Um, do you know who Dr. Brant Petrie is? I'm getting to know him a little okay. bit. Okay. Um, so I listened to a thing of his once, and I remember having these moments um, about twice in my life. Um, but, you know, he was studying about the Eucharist, and he came across um, the, the Greek word for it, you know, and started studying further. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And he thought he made this giant breakthrough. And he's like, oh, wow, I'm going to get tenured, and my name's <laughs> going to go out there. And he said, and then I looked in the catechism. <laughs> And so, yeah, you know, uh, part of part of instructing the ignorant might be ourselves, like read the catechism, because yeah. he said I got humbled very quickly when I realized, oh, it's right there. there there's another famous apologist, and I don't want to I don't want to disparage him unnecessarily. I, I don't know. I think it was Scott Hahn, but I'm not sure was saying that that he was when he was preparing studying his way into the Catholic faith. It was just insight after insight after insight. He was digging into this, and he was excited the same way. Like, oh, man, this is such good stuff. And, and then he starts looking in the catechism, and there it is, one after another. After <laughs> yeah. another after oh, boy. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, I don't have to reinvent yeah, the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, um, you know, he also, th- he's, a, he's a great example of, of just the humility of faith or, or the task, as St. Anselm says, the task of theology is faith seeking understanding. You, you believe first and then you seek to understand. Um, when we're talking about doubt versus questioning here, he, I remember him talking one time about going through all these doctrines of the church and he could, he could finally get himself to where he understood and he could agree with all of them except one of the Marian doctrines, and I don't remember which one. Uh-huh. And he finally just said, you know what? They've been right about everything else. I'm going to give them this one. <laughs> and, I remember hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you know, that's so it's just faith first and I'll, I'll grow into understanding as, as I go. As yeah. I, as I live. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, that you make a great point there because it's not blind faith. Yeah. It's not just like he, oh. eeny, meeny, miny, mo. sure, why not? They got this one thing, right? But yeah, when you see the dominoes start to fall and you're like, oh, wait a minute, Eucharist is correct. 
baptism is correct. Um, you know, the succession of the apostles ask, well, <laughs> it seems to be that there's a um, natural progression of correctness here, yeah. you know, and, and so, yeah, that, that's a great point. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Abe Fisher on mercy, obligation, and opportunity, right here on Divine Mercy Radio. One Body We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation on Divine Mercy Radio. One body, one body, stewarding God's creation. Mercy, obligation, and opportunity. One body, Dr. A. Fisher. One body. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. So we are in today talking with Dr. Abe Fisher. He's talking about the spiritual works of mercy um, and how they pertain to us. And so we want to jump back into it. We left off on um, talking about instruct the ignorant. And so where would you like to go from here? The next one up, and I, maybe I'll do, I should just um, do this little plug. Uh, the, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops on their website. Uh -huh. They have a fantastic website, by the way. But yeah. on their website, there's a little search box. And if you search for the corporal or spiritual works of mercy, they have them listed out with, with descriptions, you know, explanations of all of them. And, and they do a great job. A lot of the information that I'm, I'm presenting here is thanks to them. And so for listeners, you know, if you're not, uh, not able to absorb everything here today, I just would encourage you to go check that out. Yes, sir. So the next one in the list is admonishing the sinner. And this is one that, that we often just kind of recoil from. It's like, oh, it, it seems in today's society, the only taboo left, the only thing we shall <laughs> yes. not do is tell someone else they're wrong. Yep. Right? Uh-huh. And, and it's very uncomfortable. And it's, it's great, I think, that the, the bishops, they begin – very first thing after on, under this topic, admonishing the sinner, do not judge. Okay, so how do we admonish the sinner without without judging? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> one of the things that they suggest, you know, I mean, it's it's almost cliche that that we focus on the on the sin, on the act, and we have to reject that. We have to deny that and and call it out for being a sin, for being wrong, and still love love the sinner that maybe is caught in that in that snare. Yeah. <clears throat> the bishops say we have to strive to create a culture that does not accept sin. And I, I thought that was really interesting, um, really spot on. Our our society is trying very hard to create a culture that does accept sin. Oh yeah. To create a culture that tells us ab abortion is okay. That yeah. tells us, you know, pornography is okay. That tells yeah. us, you know, um, <clears throat> all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Marriage can be, the definition can be expanded <laughs> in, in all sorts of ways. And, and that this is not just something to be tolerated, but it's something to be celebrated as, as good and, and the same as the, the way that God intended things. And so we have to, you know, we have to fight against that. We have to, yeah. like, hold the line against accepting that. And uh, it's very unpopular to speak out against that. The church is very unpopular when it does, and, and individuals are very unpopular. So I think in some ways this is, is one of the more challenging, more difficult 
works of mercy to perform. I think so too. I, I think one of the things that helps helped me, um, you know, is I watch people, um, and some people might say that um, Trent Horn can be kind of smug sometimes or something like that. I've heard people say stuff like that, but he's actually very good. If you've watched him in debates, he's really good about not getting worked up. I'm not saying that it hasn't ever happened because someone mm -hmm. might find a video and be like, what about that? You know, but, but <laughs> a lot of the things that I've watched, he's very good at actually listening to the other person's point of view, yet still holding his ground without basically like pulling out the daggers and being like, all right, we're going to war. You know, and, and I think that's something huge for us to remember because I know myself personally, I have messed up. Um, in evangelization work, you know, um, I had the right message, but the way that I presented it drove people further away. Mm -hmm. So that can be a huge obstacle. It doesn't matter if you have all the right answers. Um, if you're not um, presenting the truth in a charitable way, then you're still going to turn people off. Yeah. You know, and so first, I, I hope people don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you should ever sugarcoat the truth. Don't do that. But there is a way to properly engage in dialogue with another person without um, basically trying to slaughter them. Right. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it's important to remember the, the overall goal here. When we're, when we're setting out and to do spiritual works of mercy, we're trying to do good for another person's soul. Yeah. We're trying to move their soul closer to God, deeper in relationship with God. And, and so sometimes that means ourselves, we ourselves are diminished, you know, in, in a debate or in whatever capacity. You know, it's not, about, it's not about feeding our ego. It's about benefiting another soul. And yeah. it's hard to keep that in mind. And, and I think you bring up a great point. It's, it's really hard when you're convinced, convicted of the truth, and you know that this is the truth, and you, and you want this person to understand it. It's really hard to just to pull back and not sort of beat them over the head with it sometimes, yeah. you know. And, you know, the, there's the old apologetics adage of winning an argument and losing the soul. Yeah. You, you don't want to do that, but it's very hard sometimes not to. Mm -hmm. But I also think in our, in our society today, presidential debates probably spur it on as much as anything. We, we've kind of lost yeah. the art of debate or even Correct. knowing what debate is. We, yeah. we, see, we see shouting matches on TV that are, that are called debates, and that, that's not, there is, there is really kind of an, an art and a process to a, to a formal debate um, where, where there's a winner and a loser, but we yeah. kind of have lost that to a large extent. Yeah. We are blessed to have Dr. Abe Fisher in here talking with us on uh, mercy and on the uh, spiritual works of mercy. We want to dig right back into it, so um, hit us with your next one, All sir. right. Next one up. Comforting the sorrowful. And this kind of takes us back to what you were saying earlier. I was, I was noticing as I was kind of compiling this list, like you said, some of them are, are we do them at the same time. When we go, when we go to a funeral or we, we go approach someone who has lost a loved one, we, we comfort the sorrowful, we bury the dead, we pray for the dead. There's, there's like lots of these that are kind of inter, yeah. intertwined, intermingled here a little bit. But... Um, so the sorrowful could be someone who has a loss in that regard, but, but maybe more often it's just someone who is really struggling, who's, who's uh, having a difficult time in, in whatever way, with a, with a relationship, um, financially, health-wise, whatever it may be, the person, the person is sorrowful. And, and whatever we do to 
be kind to them, take a meal, send a card, give a listening ear, all of those sorts of things to, to give comfort. Oftentimes, a person just needs to know, or, or it's so powerful just to know that somebody cares. Yeah. There's somebody out there that, that cares about you, gives you the strength to just see it through. And eventually the sorrow will, will you know, dissipate one, you know, in one way or another. Um, move, moving on then, a couple that are maybe a little bit more involved. Forgiving injuries. So this oh goes boy. back to the, the Lord's Prayer that we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, we have to forgive injuries. If we want God to forgive us, we have to forgive others. <clears throat> let go of our grudges, not hold on to our grudges. So the scriptures tell us this, right? We have to, if, we, if we're going to offer a sacrifice at the altar and remember we have something against our neighbor or a neighbor has something against us, we have to stop, set down our gift and go and be reconciled and then come back and yeah. offer our gift. We have, the, we have the sign of peace at mass right before we receive communion, which is symbolic and it's, you know, Trivial in some regards, we shake hands or, or you know, wave at people or whatever, but, but it's symbolic of a much deeper reality that it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a check, a gut check there. Okay, am I at peace yeah. with everyone? Is there someone who has something against me or do I have a grudge that I'm holding on to? If so, I should, as you were saying this morning, I should maybe go up for a blessing and not, <laughs> yeah. and not, um, not receive but You know, and you remind me there. Um, was that, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, maybe Bishop Fulton Sheen, um, I could be way off. But anyway, somebody holier than I am <laughs> once said, um, harboring anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die from it. That sounds like Fulton Sheen. I, mean, <laughs> you I know, know. Like, I've heard that quote. I don't know oh, what it sounds like. That is him. so good. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, you often think about like... No, accurate. So many, I've heard so many people, and I myself, at, um, for a long time in my life, was like, well, I don't understand forgiveness. You know, because we equated forgiveness with, um, you know, I'm going to use communion here, um, but that's not the right word, you know, with communion with the person. Like, uh, we equate that, like, forgiving means basically, like, everything is back on par with how it exactly was before. That's not what forgiveness is. Like forgiveness can be a process, mm -hmm. you know, um, but it, but it is also very much, you know, when I let go of that anger, I find absolutely that I very often is a person that's being healed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's amazing that in doing these, how much how many graces do we get? in return from doing them? Not that you should do them being like, oh, well, if I do this, you know, I get brownies. Yeah. But. It just it's amazing to see how good God is in when we do something that we should that the the graces we get in return. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think I think the healing comes to us, and you know the mercy of God, the the Holy Spirit within us is the same as love. You can give it away completely and not have any less of it than when you started. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's not limited. It's not rationed out, um, and so. Yeah, uh, we don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> um, I think there is, there there are some situations where you know if you if you have an, an ongoing battle with someone, if mm -hmm. you have a, a grudge or a fight with someone, that in order to in order to forgive them, some action has to happen. Mm -hmm. You have to go and and figure it out and be yeah. reconciled and and restore whatever is is broken. You know. Um, you can't control what the other person does, but you can at least do your part and can and control what you do. And 
Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily put yourself in a position to be injured in the same way again. You don't have to always forget about it completely, but let go of that anger, let go of that grudge and, and forgive them. Um, some other suggestions from the bishops under this, under this category are, are more simple. Participate in the sacrament of penance. Go under reconciliation. Oh, wow. Go be forgiven. Um, forgiving, forgiving injuries against the church, against, uh, against yourself even there. And pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. You know, um, because when we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, we're praying for um, that, that, that forgiveness and that reconciliation for ourselves and the whole world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that's a very powerful, powerful chaplet, of course. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Abe, you know, um, where do you want to go from here? You know, uh, hit us, hit us with your best shot. <laughs> There's a song for everything. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Very good. Um, well, we're kind of leading up to, I, I think, one of them that, that maybe is, uh, has some of the best food for thought or food for, for prayerful meditation of all of them. And Last time I was on here, I was talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and I was really talking about that. They're great to take to adoration or just to prayer and meditate on. Some of these, some of these works of mercy are the same way. This next one, I think, is in that category, bearing wrongs patiently. <clears throat> one of the opportunities for mercy that we're, we encounter from time to time is when someone has wronged us, mm -hmm. when we are legitimately wronged, offended, someone has sinned against us, and we, are, we have the right, we, we're justified in, in some sort of action back against them, some sort of uh, punishment or, or retribution of some kind. If somebody has, has committed a crime against us, broken into our house or whatever it is, you know, um, those are the times when, when someone has wronged us that we have this opportunity to either enact justice or show mercy and you know if we if we kind of go with our gut and and lash back out and, and get our get our revenge get our justice that that opportunity is gone and you yeah know, we have to wait for another one that's that's one of, of all of these I put it in a little bit different category because most of these works of mercy certainly the corporal works of mercy and most of these spiritual works of mercy too you can get up in the morning and you can just go out and, and on your own schedule do these, decide oh. to do them. Okay, I'm going to go, you know, be merciful in this way. Uh -huh. But this one you have to wait for someone, someone for the opportunity you. to happen. You have to, and you have to be aware and not do that knee-jerk reaction of, you know, getting back at them. Um, something more trivial, you know, you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, you know, and so do you just bear that patiently and say, okay, or do you honk your horn or, you know, mm -hmm. do something retaliatory. Um, you, can, you can do that in an instant in just a knee-jerk way, or, and then it's gone. Then that opportunity is gone. Yeah. So it has to be something that you're, you're conscious about. And, you know, I'm fully aware that, that I am the pot calling the kettle black here. Because I was going to say, how did you know happens? you were talking about me? <laughs> uh, th th that I know that's one of my triggers that I constantly work on. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it's just something that we need to kind of keep, try to keep in our mind and try to work on. Yeah, and I think also that one of the things is, especially when we perceive to have been wronged, but actually weren't. 
you know, um, be careful about that. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I know because, you know, a lot of this is experiential wisdom. I know yeah. myself and I know that I'm same thing. I can be very quick triggered and I can actually be the one that is wrong in a situation, but I perceive that somebody has wronged me. And yeah. because I'm perceiving it that way, that, you know, and so that's, that's also another good check on that one, I right. think, is to make sure that um, especially you're not trying to hold somebody liable for something that's not even their fault. Yep. You know? Yeah, and so if you if we can establish a habit of this of bearing wrongs patiently, we won't fall into that trap. Uh, you know? <laughs> okay, Lord, but, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I also I also just want to say in this regard, um, you know, we're not perfect. We're humans. We're we're sinful. We're we're frail in many ways, and and we're never going to be perfect until until we're perfected in the next life. So. I just wanted to encourage people not to strive for perfection and not to set that goal to be 100% perfect in this regard. You're just you're just going to end up frustrated and discouraged. Strive instead for progress. You know, strive for progress. Strive for purity of purpose. That you're that you're you have the right purpose in what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, Perfection will take care of itself eventually yeah. if you progress a little bit every day, and you won't become discouraged and frustrated. And yeah, I think that makes sense way. in the in the manner that um, you know, because some people are going to be like, "What well, doesn't the Bible say? Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect." But I think, yeah, the way that you put it um, is is good because it's the sense of you know anybody who knows what a scrupulous conscience is. You know, as somebody that thinks that everything they're doing is wrong, you know, they go to confession and the priest almost um, actually does sometimes have to correct them and be like, you know, okay, but this isn't actually a sin, (laughs) you know, um, and you're right. That can actually become a barrier to holiness. Not that we shouldn't strive to become holier, but I like how you said it is strive for progress, because then when you have those setbacks, you won't be like, it's just never going to happen. Well, yeah, and so a scrupulous conscience can lead you into, into a, one, a great sin, I guess I'll say, and I, I hesitate to say it that way, but, but sometimes described as, as the two great sins are presumption on the one hand, presuming that God will just yeah. take care of everything and it doesn't matter what we do, and despair on the other hand, that I'm, I'm so bad, God can't yeah. save me. I can't be saved. You know, so if you, if you constantly are aiming for perfection and failing and failing and failing, you become discouraged and you despair, that's no good. That's not, that's not progressing in the spiritual life. Yeah. But, you know, when he, God does tell us, be perfect as your father is perfect, Jesus tells us that. But he also, if we, if we look at the woman caught in adultery, if we look at Zacchaeus, he, he accepts us where we are with yeah. open arms and, and in, instructs us to be better. Yeah. Go and sin no more. You know, the perfection is a is a project of our life, not, not a project of a moment. <laughs> That's so, a good way to put so, it. So, um, you know, keep striving for perfection, realizing that that it won't be there till the next life. But we yeah. still strive. And and I think yeah. the holiness is in the striving very often. I like how you said that. It's not in the moment. Yeah. yeah very yeah. good. Thank you. Well, we have just a few minutes left. Um, and being that we're short on time, I want to get back to Abe without any more interruptions and, okay. and let you uh, finish us out with your final thoughts here. Sure. Okay. 
Well, we didn't, as I suspected we might, we didn't really get to the corporal works of mercy, and that's, that's <laughs> Sorry. okay. There, no, no, that's, I, I think we had a great conversation, but that's, um, you know, like I said, you can go on the, on the website and you read about them a little bit. Of all of those, feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, naked shelter the homeless, visit the sick and imprisoned, bury the dead, give alms to the poor. One that I thought um, I just would would mention a little bit of a stretch in because my my wife and I are adoptive parents and, and we're kind of focused on pro-life cause, pro-life elements. Um, that's one way of sheltering the homeless is adopting a child, um, giving them a loving Christian home that, uh, that maybe people don't think about a whole lot. But um, yeah, so. That is awesome. Uh, Take a look at those on the on the bishop's website. There's lots of good fodder there, and I would encourage people just to take them to prayer and try to be a little bit more aware of what you're doing throughout your day. Like you said, you're probably doing a lot of these things already, just in living the Christian life without being aware of them. But you know, if, yeah. you're, if you're aware that this is showing mercy, um, it becomes a better habit. Absolutely. You know, I, I do have, we didn't have that short of time, but oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I so, but um, we, were we got about five minutes here. Okay. Um, but so on that point, I um, mean, this can finish us out um, because I love uh, that you brought that up. Um, a lot of people don't know um, in some ancient cultures uh, for a person to bring a child that was not his natural child into his home and adopt him actually gave that child sometimes more rights than the natural children. Hmm. Um, and now this wasn't in every culture, but in some cultures that was the case. Um, and, and so I, I think it's pretty awesome to, to think about that because, you know, parents like I'm sure yourself, you don't walk around um, going, this is my adopted son. This is my adopted son. You know, you're like, this is my son. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are your child. You know, it's, it's not like a second thought or anything like that. And, and the, isn't that the beautiful mercy of God, too? Like, through Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, um, he has done that for us then. We are all Through baptism, yes. you know, we become the adopted sons and daughters of God. Um, now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that we have more than Christ. That That's heretical. <laughs> um, obviously, Christ is God. But what that means is that we literally can call ourselves sons and daughters of the Father through our baptism. Um, and so you bringing that one up, like, look how important that is for a child to know, you know, that, no, this is my family. I'm yeah. a part of this family and how that spills over then into the spiritual life. Yeah. You give them a home, you give them a name, you give them a family, you give them. In the case of, of our adoption as brothers and sisters of Christ, we, we have an inheritance. Yeah. Right. We're heirs of the kingdom of God along with Jesus. That's, that's yeah. a pretty big element there. Absolutely. So if we have a couple of minutes. Yeah, um, we got about two. We have a two. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So the corporal works of mercy. Um, sometimes people think, well, as I go through my day, I don't I don't see someone on the corner who's starving or, you know, who needs a drink or doesn't doesn't have a coat or whatever. Jesus says if someone doesn't have a cloak and you have two, give him one or whatever. But, we, you know, it's important to expand our, our view there a little bit. And the, the bishops talk about 
in this regard of, of sheltering the homeless, remembering all the refugees throughout the world that are displaced from their homes, from their countries. And maybe we can't do something directly. Maybe we can organize something in our parish. Maybe we can get involved with something that Catholic Charities or Catholic R- Relief Services is doing yeah. to help out these refugees. Um, giving drink to the thirsty. There are lots of people around the world who don't have access to clean water. Yeah. And there's there's initiatives that we can get involved in to, to work for that. So it doesn't Absolutely. necessarily have to be on our street or on in our town, in our corner. Yeah. Um, there are lots of, lots of ways to kind of expand that, that view a little bit. Well, Dr. Fisher, thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for tuning in to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. If you're a business or a service that can underwrite this One Body show, Please know that your underwriting spot can run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. The cost for all five stations is a mere $150 per month. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to the Network of Stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. One body.